Hey guys, we're rounding out SI's top 100 NBA players of 2019. These are their projections. We're at number 30 with DeMar DeRozan. It's the cipher. DeRozan's production says he could be rated higher. 23 points a game, just under four rebounds, and last season a career-high five assists per game. So he did improve his overall game. He became a better facilitator. Competed harder on defense. Still not a great defender, but he did compete harder on defense. The problem was once he got to the playoffs, it seemed like the pressure got to him and he imploded versus the Cavs. He got benched in game three and then was ejected in game four. I think DeMar DeRozan on a playoff contender on a good team is a legitimate and productive number one option. I think if you're talking about titles, I think if you're talking about being a legit title contender, he's a number two option. We're talking about a guy with a strong mid-range jumper and an uncanny ability to attack the rim and get to the foul line. Number 30 might be a little low, but considering how his season ended and moving forward, Maybe the Spurs system can elevate him. I still don't think the combination of him and Aldridge is enough to elevate the Spurs into being a legitimate title contender. At number 30, that seems to be a good fit. Number 29 is Drew Holiday. Holiday comes off a career year, 19 points a game, six assists a game, and he went from being a very good defender to elevating himself as to one of the top on-ball defenders in the NBA. And I think the biggest reason for this is the change. Holiday, for most of his career, played the point guard position. And he proved throughout his career he can be a good and effective point guard. But at the two-guard spot, where he's more off the ball, where he can catch the ball in his best spots and then attack, I think it elevated him from good to great. He's that gifted a player. His strength, his quickness, and those sneaky hops, I think it makes Drew Holiday one of those guys that'll be a perennial all-NBA defender for the next four or five seasons. Drew Holiday at number 29 is a good fit. It's a good area for him to be in. It's a good number. My guess is, though, there's probably going to be somebody ranked ahead of him that shouldn't be. Drew Holiday, number 29. At number 28, Chris Middleton. Love Chris Middleton's game. He's one of those guys that plays with pace. He's quiet. He's one of those guys that before you know it, without even thinking about it, he's got 20 to 25 points a game. Last season, 20 points, five rebounds, and over four assists. I think Chris Middleton is ideally suited to play the number two. He's a perfect complement to what Giannis can do. What the Bucks are missing is legitimate and a consistent number three. Yes, I know they have Eric Bledsoe, but again, that, that conflicts with what I just said as consistent. Bledsoe is a lot of things. He's talented. He's gifted. He's not consistent. And more importantly, when you need him, you won't find him. I think Chris Middleton will have an all-star season this coming season. And I think the Bucks will elevate to becoming one of the top contenders in the East. At number 27 is Bradley Bill. Bill comes off a season in which he averaged 22 points a game, over four and a half assists, and over four and a half rebounds per game. I thought last season where Bill shined the most 
was that stretch in which John Wall missed games and Bill went Bill went to the point guard and he actually elevated his game playing the point guard. A lot of people didn't know that Bradley Bill's ability off the bounce was as good as it was. I think the only thing holding Bradley Bill back from becoming an all-star, not an all-star, but let's say a superstar, elevating his game to superstar status, it's the yin and yang, it's that chemistry or lack of chemistry between him and John Wall. In a weird way, I think both players will be better if they go down separate paths. Bradley Bill at 27, not a bad spot. I'd have him a little bit higher. At number 26, Ben Simmons. 15 points a game, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. At age 22, Ben Simmons sees the floor as well as 10-year veterans. The only guy who sees the floor better than Ben Simmons, LeBron James. Maybe Chris Paul. But you're talking about a guy that's 6'11", with ball handling skills, that kind of court vision, and an extremely high basketball IQ. The sky's the limit for Simmons. The only weakness in his game is the lack of a consistent perimeter shot. Once he establishes that, the Sixers won't only be title contenders. They'll be, they'll be ruling the East for the next 8 to 10 years with him and Embiid. I like Ben Simmons at 26. I think this time next season, he'll be at the top 20, maybe even top 15. Another thing about Simmons, underrated defender. Most guys early in their career struggle on the defensive side of the ball. I thought Simmons more than held his own. I think he has a natural grasp on how to compete on defense. He uses his wingspan and he plays the passing lanes as well as, as, well as most smaller guards. Ben Simmons, an ascending young player. Look forward to seeing what he does this coming season. At number 25 is Gordon Haywood. I think it's hard to rank guys coming off of injuries. I think it's very hard. What I know of Haywood is this. Before he arrived and became a Celtic, he'd come off his career year averaging just under 22 points a game. And before that, he had put together back-to-back 19 points a game, five rebounds, and just under five assists. So he's an established, talented offensive player who's considered also solid defensively. I'm just not sure whether or not Gordon Haywood is a number one option. And because he's coming off the type of injury he had, we don't know for sure what type of player he will be. But as a fan, I hope he comes back 100%. I think Gordon Haywood is talented. I think because of the, the overall talent the Celtics have, especially at the wings with Brown, with Tatum, and then you throw in Haywood, I'm not sure what his numbers are going to look like because the struggle with Boston is going to be able to find minutes and find shots for everybody. You're also talking about a team with a scoring point guard with Kyrie. And Al Horford is a guy you can book for 12 to 15 points a night. So the biggest challenge for Coach Stevens, not just finding minutes, finding shots for everybody. Gordon Hayward at 25, it might be a little high, but I'm good with that. At number 24, John Wall. Look, there are very few pure point guards in the NBA. There are a lot of talented ones, but most of the current top point guards are really combo guards masquerading as point guards. John Wall, for all his flaws, is a legitimate point guard. 19 points a game, just under 10 assists, always around two steals, a talent defender. His ability to penetrate and excel in the open court is second to only Russell Westbrook. 
And the only reason we don't view him in the same light as Russ, a lot of times with Wall, you feel cheated by his effort or his lack of consistency. Russ is a lot of things, and you can say a lot of things about Russ, but you can never feel like he cheated you effort-wise. John Wall at number 24, I'm good with that. At number 23, Cal Lowry. Let's go with the good. The good, Cal Lowry is a rock-solid vet player, a very good point guard who's been on a Toronto team that's been one of the top teams in the East over the last five or six seasons. 16 points a game, seven assists, just under six rebounds, and he's a solid defender. Here's the bad. The bad is I only think that Cal Lowry's made the All-Star team as many times as he has is because he's been in the Eastern Conference. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. And he wasn't the best player on the Raptors. And I don't think he should get extra credit because between the duo of him and DeRozan, he played better versus the Cavs during the sweep. The difference is, though, he's the number two option. The focal point of the Cavs defense was their number one option, which was DeRozan. DeRozan is their best player. and He was attacked the way you attack a best player. I like Kyle Lowry. But if you're talking about overall impact in a game and ability, he's about 13 places too high. And maybe I'm being generous. Kyle Lowry at number 23 is way too high. At number 22, Clay Thompson. What can you say about Clay? Great two-way player. He's, a, he's on a team, a championship-winning team, that has a chance to three-peat where he averages 20 points a game and just under four rebounds. Clay is tremendous coming off of screens. I love the way on defense how he competes. He can guard a smaller player. He can guard larger players. Very underrated overall skill set. What I would say about Clay, obviously, if he needs to work on anything, it's his ability to create off the dribble. Now, as long as he's a warrior and as long as he's playing with Steph, Draymond and KD, it's a non-issue. But if you truly believe at some point in his career that Klay Thompson will move on to, to another franchise, I think he's going to have to at least find a way to create more off the bounce at some point in his career. But you are talking about a guy who who's probably the second best shooter in the NBA only to his teammate. Let's not forget. One of the best things about Klay Thompson as a teammate, he plays with no ego. He, in a way, he has the least ego of everybody on the team. When you think about Draymond, when you think about Steph, when you think about KD, maybe even Steve Kerr, Klay just plays basketball. I'm a big fan of Klay Thompson. Look forward to seeing what the Warriors are going to do this coming season. I think him being ranked 22, good job, SI. At number 21, LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge had a really good season for the Spurs. 23 points, just under nine rebounds a game, and over two assists. I think Aldridge had a really good bounce-back season, especially when you consider the fact that he really didn't play with Kawhi for basically the whole season, and he was able to lead the Spurs to the playoffs without a second legitimate All-Star. And when you look at the wing players around him, there really was only one guy who could create and get his own shot. So the fact that he was that productive, knowing that every team knew he was the only guy that was a true scorer, salute, man. That's impressive. I think for this season, him being ranked 21, coming off of what he did last year, I'm with that. At number 20, Victor Oluwadipo. Oluwadipo gets away from Russ, 23 points per game, five rebounds, and just under five assists per game. 
The strength of Oladipo's game is his explosive first step and his ability to elevate above the rim. I thought what was most impressive for him last year was the way he extended his range. He made himself a dangerous three-point threat, which only adds to his ability to attack you off the dribble. He also made first-team All-NBA defense. So along with Klay Thompson, he's a great two-way player. I don't think this is a blip season. I think that he'll elevate his game and put up similar or even better numbers next year. With the addition of Tyreek Evans and the elevation of Miles Turner, I think the Pacers are a sleeper contender in the East. Victor Oladipo at 20, I'm with that. At number 19, the big cat, Carl Anthony Towns. 23 points, 12 rebounds. The problem with the cat is this. Because of his talent, you expect more. We are talking about a big who can put the ball on the floor and he shoots over 42% from three. That's crazy. He's easily the quickest center off the dribble in the NBA. The problem with Cat is, because of his ability to take you outside, he falls in love with that. In the playoffs, when the three wasn't falling, he still didn't get in the post. And something that he's not known for doing and he needs to do is, he's got to make himself more competitive on the defensive side of the floor. I don't have no doubt in my mind that Cat's going to be an all-star, maybe even a superstar, But for him to take the T-Wolves to another level with or without Jimmy Butler, he's got to compete harder on both ends of the floor. He's got to become not just talented, but he's got to become more of a physical presence on the floor. I think the only reason Cat's ranked 19th is because of his talent. If you really look at his overall season, including the playoffs, I kind of thought he took a step backwards. But I'm looking for big things for him this coming season. And number 19, the Joker. Nikolai Djokovic, 18 points a game, 10 rebounds, and over six assists a game. The one flaw outside that he needs to work harder on defense, the one flaw in Joker's game is he doesn't shoot enough. He's almost too unselfish. He kind of reminds me of a modern day, or or, a, or when you look at him in 2018, he's kind of like Rasheed Wallace. Remember how gifted Sheed was? Remember Sheed on Portland, on those Portland teams? She could score 25 or 28 a night easy. He just didn't shoot enough. And I think Joker's the same way. The Nuggets are unique because both of their guards, Murray and Harris, they're combo guards. Both of them average just under four assists per game. The guy that they run their offense to is Joker. I think that can be a strength and a weakness. I think for the Nuggets to take that next step forward, Joker's got to be more aggressive to look for his shots. And Harris and Murray have to become more of facilitators. So maybe Joker goes to 24, 25 points a game and around four assists. And Murray or Harris elevate their game up to around six or seven assists per game. I like Joker at this spot at 18. I actually think, you know what? Przingis is a unicorn. What is Joker? Because I think Joker is every bit as good as Przingis. Maybe even better. At number 17, Kyrie Irving. Before his injury, Kyrie was averaging over 24 points a game and five assists. Again, people look at those assist numbers and go, Kyrie's not a facilitator. But if you look at most of the top point guards, most of them don't average more than seven assists per game because they're most, most of these guys are combo guards. They're not point guards. 
What Kyrie can do is break anybody down off the dribble. What Kyrie can do is finish oversize in an amazing way. For his size, his ability to finish at the rim without dunking, without elevating, but how clever he is, he is a modern-day Rod Strickland. I think Kyrie is as gifted a one-on-one player as there is in the NBA. Him being ranked number 17, I think he should be ranked higher, and I'm expecting big things for him. But 17 for Kyrie, I'm not bad. That's not that bad. That's really not that bad, except for the fact that number 16 is Al Horford. I like Al Horford. Rock-solid player, true pro, maybe, maybe the leader of that Celtics team, but definitely not their best player. The best player in the Boston Celtics right now, and I'm making sure we, I point that out, right now is Kyrie Irving. Because very, very soon, that might change. And I'm not talking about Gordon Hayward. I'm talking about Jason Tatum. I like Al Horford. He's been a rock ever since he's been in the NBA. He's extended his range. He's turned into a great two-way player himself. Not a great one-on-one defender, but he's a terrific team defender and a versatile player. Al Horford being ranked 16th, that's pretty high. I would have had Al about 20 places back. At number 15, Dame, Damian Lillard, 27 points a game, over six assists a game. I think Dame was one of the great shot takers and makers. He's one of those guys that when everything's going wrong and the shot clock is winding down, he just finds a way to get buckets. What's holding Dame back from going to that next level in terms of team success? It's his teammates. Portland just hasn't put enough talent around him for him to succeed or go to another level. I think Damian Lillard is a loyal guy. I think he has no plans of ever leaving Portland. But until they put more talent around him, I think Portland's always going to be a first-round exit. I love Dame. I actually like C.J. McCullough as well. But I think two small guards and you're putting everything on them, that's a little too much. As gifted as Dame is, I think the Blazers' overall offense needs to be more balanced. Maybe trade McCullough. I don't want to get off base. Damian Lillard at number 15 is a good spot. Knowing Dame, he probably thinks he should be about 11 spots higher. At number 13, or number 14, I'm sorry, Rudy Gobert. Great rim protector. One of the better rebounders in the NBA. I love his energy and his passion. I think he does impact the game. But because he's so limited offensively, people are constantly pointing out how limited Steven Adams is offensively, how limited Andre Drummond is, how limited Dwight Howard is. But even this current version of Dwight Howard at age 32 has a better offensive game than Rudy Gobert. And Dwight Howard averages more rebounds per game than Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert being ranked 14th SI struck out. That's way too high. He's he's a very good player. He's a terrific complimentary player to Donovan Mitchell. But he's not the 14th best player in basketball. At number 13, Draymond Green. Draymond's the master of getting in your head, angering your teammates, sometimes angering his own teammate and coaches. But he is the jack of all trades. He's the master of none. 11 points per game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. He's the Golden State's energy. He really is their energizer. Draymond 
is the guy that gets the Warriors going on defense. He calls out all the defensive signals. One of the best all-around versatile defenders in all the NBA. I think Draymond's just a winning player. I think talent-wise, there are tons of players more gifted. But in terms of his impact and the fit on the Warriors, he's the perfect fit. Sometimes he seems out of control. But for that Warriors team, it's the right amount of out of control. If I'm picking a team and I'm building a team from scratch, no, Draymond Green isn't my first or second pick. But if I've already got two really talented guys on my team and I'm finding I'm trying to find that blend that takes us to another level, I'm going with Draymond Green. Sometimes the things that Draymond does or how he impacts a game, it doesn't show up on a stat sheet. Draymond Green at number 13, that's where he should be. At number 12, Kawhi Leonard, we all know the story. So the only reason Kawhi could be ranked 12, obviously he's coming off the injury because if he was 100% healthy and he was not injured, we're talking about a guy that's a top five, maybe even top three player. Kawhi is considered the best two-way player in basketball. A guy that can get you 20 points a game, around five rebounds, two or three steals, and a couple of blocks. I like the way, before his injury, how he extended his range, making himself into one of the game's better three-point shooters. I also like the way he worked on his ability to beat you off the dribble, something that wasn't a strength of his. If Kawhi can come back 100% healthy, Toronto, with LeBron leaving the East, I think Toronto's going to make another run. I think Toronto, barring injury, I think Toronto has a legitimate shot to be back in the conference finals and maybe even get over the hump. This is assuming Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard before the injury. At number 11, PG Paul George. Paul George is kind of an enigma to me. Here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing. Think about this. When you look at Paul George and you look at Jimmy Butler, They're very similar. The difference is this. I think Paul George is more naturally gifted than Jimmy Butler. But anybody that's ever seen the two of them play, the real difference is Jimmy Butler's got some dog in him. He might not be the most gifted player, but the way he puts in the work, the way he comes at you, it's something you wish you saw more in Paul George. When I watched the Thunder last year, the one thing that, frustrated me as a fan was just the way that it seemed like Paul George he didn't necessarily get outplayed by Joe Ingles but I thought Joe Ingles outcompeted him and in the end I guess wore him down what I want from Paul George this year not just the numbers I want to see those numbers and I want to see some kind of passion or aggression in him in the playoffs when it matters most so PG at number 11 that's a good spot I'm not sure I would even rank him that high because I, I think in many ways he's an underachiever At number 10, I was just talking about him, Jimmy Butler. So I'll make this simple. Jimmy Butler is Paul George with some dog in him. Jimmy Butler does what Paul George doesn't do more times than not. Rather than settling for the three, Jimmy Butler gets into that post-up game. He's physical, and he finds a way to get to the free throw line. He's an effective scorer. He's a terrific defender when he's locked in. If you have any questions about Jimmy Butler, and, and this is where him and Paul George are very similar, he's got that dog in him. But I don't know if Jimmy Butler's a leader. I already know that Paul George is not a leader. I think Paul George is definitely suited to be 
a number two. Or as I like to say, he's a Pippin. I'm not sure Jimmy Butler's a Pippin, but I don't think he's a natural leader. And I think that's part of the issues when you look at what's going on with the Timberwolves. Jimmy Butler's a talented player, and there's no question in my mind he's a number 10 player. He's definitely a top 10 talent. Jimmy Butler at number 10, that's well, that's well deserved. At number nine, the big guy, the most fun guy in social media, maybe in all of sports, Joel Embiid. What Joel Embiid does on the floor is kind of similar to what he does off the floor. He gets in you. He gets in your feelings. Embiid can post up. He can face up and he can shoot from three. And when he's locked in, he's as good a rim protector as there is in the NBA. The only question that anybody could have about Joel Embiid and his future is his health. That's the only thing that's going to stop him from becoming one of the more dominant players in the NBA. Joel Embiid at number nine. That's an easy pick. At number eight. Maybe the, the only pure point guard who who's relevant in the top 10 or in the countdown at all, because I'm sure Ricky Rubio is a pure point guard, but Ricky Rubio's levels below Chris Paul. Last year, CP3, 18 points, five rebounds and just under eight assists a game. And you have to remember the assist numbers down because the way the Rockets play and the fact that Harden has the ball in his hands even more than Chris Paul does. With the healthy Chris Paul, if he doesn't go down last year in the playoff, I'm sorry, Warriors fans. Y'all ain't in the finals. This season, the only thing I think that stops Houston from getting to the finals is if they can't remain healthy. And while they did lose Trevor Ariza, I still think with the addition of Carmelo and some of the other moves they've made, the Rockets are definitely one of the top two seeds in the West. And I think, barring injury, they'll be in the conference finals again. Chris Paul's leadership, his aggressiveness, is something that doesn't get spoken about enough. Chris Paul is the best defensive point guard in basketball. It's not always about one-on-one defense, which, by the way, he's terrific at. It's team defense, and that's where he excels at. The way he digs down on bigs, the way he can switch and guard a taller player in the post, even though he's given up five, six, seven inches and hold his own, that's special. Chris Paul at number eight makes total sense. At number seven, Russ. I think Russell Westbrook is the most athletic, not just point guard, I think he's the most athletic player I've ever seen. I've seen other guys with crazy hops. I've seen other guys that can hang in the air. But I'm talking about the overall athleticism on both ends of the floor. Russell Westbrook, it's amazing what he can do. It's amazing the level of energy he can put out there and still seem like he's getting stronger in the fourth quarter. Russ is going to be 30 years old. And if I didn't tell you that, if you just watched how he play, his playing style, his effort, you wouldn't know that. Russ plays with the energy of someone who's 21 or 22. He's all heart. He's all passion. Russ is one of my favorite players to watch. I think he's, he's easily still the most entertaining player to watch because whether he's struggling with his shot or not, you can't help but get caught up in the effort and the passion that he plays with. And not to mention, Russ has had games where he shot 
four for 25 and still finish with 30 points because he just made up his mind, I'm going to attack the basket and get to the foul line 14 or 15 times. I think for Russ and OKC to have the level of success that they want to have as a franchise, I think he's got to play off the ball more. I think he's got to find ways to save himself. Even though he still has great energy, we are talking about year 11. We are talking about age 30. We're also talking about coming off of another knee surgery. A lot of Russ's gifts are predicated off of his athleticism. A lot of his game is predicated off of his athleticism. I think Russ has got to develop more of a refined game. I think he's got to get in the post more and find easier ways to get buckets. And the best way to save energy is play off the ball more. I'm a fan of Russ. I'm not too sure who isn't a fan of Russ. So Russ coming in at number seven doesn't shock me at all. He's that gifted. He is one of the game's best. Number six, Greek Freak. I think Giannis is one of those ascending players who can still take his game to another level. We are talking about a guy coming off a season where he just averaged 27 points a game, 10 rebounds, and just under five assists. And you look at him and you can still say, wow, he can actually still get better. And where he could get better at most of, he's got to establish a consistent jump shot. I'm not talking about threes. I'm just talking about the ability to make people respect your mid-range jump shot. If he can establish a consistent 15 to 16 foot jump shot, even if he doesn't shoot threes, it will make him unguardable. Giannis has that one flaw in his game that I think that as a gym rat, and he's known to be a gym rat, I'm sure he's working on, he's actually getting stronger. I look for him, Middleton, and the Bucks to be one of the legitimate contenders in the East because I think right now the East has this big vacuum and it's wide open. Yes, I know Boston's the favorite based off of what they did last season, and then when you look at their talent top to bottom, Boston should be favored. But I think what works against Boston is they have so much talent, you're really going to have to get a lot of people to sacrifice numbers to make that work. Don't sleep on the Bucks. Don't sleep on Giannis. Coming in at number five, AD, Anthony Davis. AD had a legit shot for MVP last year. I think he's going to be one of the top three candidates this season. The downside is this. I think Rondo is a bigger loss than most people realize. I think the addition of Julius Randle will help. I think Miritich will have a full season of playing with AD, and that's going to help. But really, Rondo's ability to run a team, to get you in your sets, and to get the guys the balls in their best spots, that's underestimated. That's undervalued. I think the Pelicans made a big mistake in letting Rondo go. I think Davis is going to put up monster numbers, but I don't think the Pelicans' success will match what they did last season. At number four, the MVP, James Harden. 30 points a game, five rebounds, and just under nine assists. What can I say about the beard? He's a beast off the dribble. The beard has got this old man game, but it's the old man game that you can't cover. What Harden can do is he can lull you to sleep going back and forth, and then out of nowhere, it's a quick, it's a quick crossover that leads to the step back. Harden's not a pure shooter. But when that jumper is falling, unguardable. James Harden is one of the elite scorers in all the NBA, but he's also an underrated facilitator. Those nine assists he averages, that's not a fluke. He was a gifted passer when he was on OKC coming off the bench. And their best lineup 
was when the ball was in Harden's hand and Russ was off the ball. Something to think about. At number three, the man himself, Steph Curry. Steph comes off a season in which he averaged 26 points, five rebounds, and six assists. Steph just missed out on doing the 50-40-90 thing again. He'd done it once before the championship season, but he just missed out. We're talking about a guy that can break you down off the dribble. I don't think he can break people down off the dribble as much as a guy like Harden can, but Steph's handle is a little bit underrated and understated. He's also pretty good at finishing around the basket. He's got a terrific floater. He's got a great touch around the basket. And what a lot of people don't know is Steph is a really good screener. And that's an underrated talent because a lot of cats just aren't willing to put their body on the line like that. When you look at what Steph Curry has done over this four or five year run of the Warriors, when you look at what he's done when they've added KD and how he's become even more efficient, Steph Curry's an impressive player. I'm not on that bandwagon And it's a question that was put out there to me. And they were serious. They asked me, was Steph Curry one of the top 10 players all time in in NBA history? This was a serious question. And I respect everybody's opinion. But I'm going to say this. When you do an all time top 10 list, you better start off any top 10 list. And you better have those four J's in your list. That's Jabbar. That's Johnson. That's Jordan. And that's James. If you don't have those four names, your top 10 is not legit. Moving on. At number two, KD, Kevin Durant. 26 points, seven rebounds, five assists in his second finals MVP last season. KD fits with the Warriors to perfection. I think he enjoys the ball movement. I think there's a great chemistry and camaraderie. Even though somewhere else he could put up bigger numbers, We're talking about success. We're talking about titles. At age 29, I think still in his prime, I think KD, if he can stay healthy, has got another four or five years at a high level. I think KD might very well have a shot to be the number one player, depending on how LeBron does going forward. No shock at number one. The best player in basketball is LeBron James. Coming off a season in which he averaged 27 points, eight rebounds, and over nine assists. I've heard this statement made before. No player at this level, at this age, has played this well going into, I believe, season 16. I actually agree with that. That's a fair and honest statement. But remember, going into year 16, he's only going to be 34 years old. He's 34 years old. He's playing at a high level, still the best best player in basketball on a new team in a new system in the Western Conference for the first time where a lot of people are doubting he and the Lakers. And obviously I'm putting it out there. I am a diehard. I've grown up a Lakers fan, but I'm a realistic Lakers fan. No, they're not going to win the Western Conference this year. No, they're not going to win the title this year. But I do think with the current roster, Barring any other additions with the current roster, this Laker team is probably a four or five seed. I really do believe that if you know basketball and you look at the surrounding talent, and I'm not talking about his talent. I'm talking about the surrounding talent in the conference. Take away the Warriors and the Rockets. The third seed was the Portland Trailblazers. 
with Dame and C.J. McCullough, who, I, who I'm a big fan of both of those guys, but they were the third seed. You don't think the Lakers, with the LeBron James and those ascending talents like Kuzma and Ingram and Lonzo and some of the veterans that they've added, won't be better than Portland? Nothing against Portland, but if you don't think that, you don't know ball. So this is it. That's the end. That is Sports Illustrated's top 100, guys. We got through it. We just finished up 30 to number one. I'm sure that number one and number two shocked nobody. Here's the thing, though. ESPN just let go of their top 100. Now, you know how this works. There is no perfect countdowns. So I'm sure ESPNs will be different from Sports Illustrated. We're going to critique them the same way. We're going to look at them the same way. I think ESPN will get some things right, and they'll get a lot of things wrong, just like Sports Illustrated. What Sports Illustrated did, did get right for the most part is, and I think this is the easiest thing to get right, they got the top 10 right. And I guess in the big picture, that's all that matters. So that's it, guys. Tomorrow, we're going to get into ESPN's top 100 NBA players. Hopefully, we'll get the rev on. We'll have H back. If not, I'm going to put another one out there. I'm going to keep putting out the content. Thanks for all your Facebook comments. I promise you guys, I know I'm behind. I'm responding and doing Facebook responses. We will get caught up for sure by Friday at the worst. Shout out to Anchor. Shout out to all the other podcasters out there. It's a big table. We can all eat. It's the Cypher. Next time. Thank you.